Well, good morning, Andre. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning. Oh, I'm doing great. Actually, a driving beautiful back day. from Dallas, Texas. Yes, it is. I'm I'm driving back to Chattanooga from Lynchburg, Tennessee, myself. And, you know, and we just want to thank you guys for joining us today. It's always exciting to have the chance to connect with you and uh, just impart what we've learned through the Word of God and the teachings that we've received over the years to you, our listeners. Um, today we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare and the way that it affects us in our day-to-day walk. Mm. Absolutely. And so to start off, I really want to use a, a scripture reference and a text just to kind of give some um, some clarity to our conversation. And we find in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, that Paul states that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, we're fighting a spiritual battle. We're not fighting a battle to where we would use swords and spears or guns and knives. But we're fighting a battle that's actually primarily spiritual. Now, the Bible says that God is spirit, and we worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible says that we're made in his image, and we're actually spiritual beings, primarily. And so the battle that we're fighting, you recognize that this is a spiritual battle. One of the things that's pretty clear throughout the gospel is that even in the Old Testament, you would find, you wouldn't find a lot of activity, demonic activity that was blatant although they were behind the scenes operating. But when Jesus came, he's casting out devils left and right, and he really took the cover off of the demonic realm so we can kind of see what's going on behind the scenes. And and so it is in our walk. Our walk, when we come up against things many times, it's not every time, but there's many times a demonic root, and there's a spiritual root to the battle that we're fighting. And so if we only fight in the natural, we're missing out on the real battle, as you will. And we're, we're not fighting effectively if we're only using natural means. That's really good. You know, my mind immediately, as you're giving that scripture and kind of explaining the dialogue about it, it immediately went to warfare in the natural. What is something that happens in battle? You know, if you really want to be victorious when you are fighting a battle against your enemy, you really want to mask how many troops you have the best possible. You want camouflage. You want to be able to hide your equipment, your armament, and your people for protection, but also for a strategic advantage. So if we think Satan and his cohorts are going to try to play fair and try to have all of their cards face value on the table, we are wrong. This is more like a poker game. He's going to have that poker face like he is going to lose, he's going to lose, he's going to lose. Next thing you know, he's going to give you that best hand he's got at the worst opportune moment for you, for anybody else. It's not going to be. For anybody else, it's going to be great. Because their hands, 
doesn't reflect the same value. But for anybody else, if they're receiving a hand, it may not seem like a big deal. It may just seem like part of the game. The issue with that is, is it's deceptive because you're not seeing the full hand. You think you're just playing the game and everything's going on just like it normally would. Another great example. Let's say you uh, are driving down the road and there's a huge layer of fog. You can't drive fast. If you do drive really quickly, you're going to either hit a deer, another car, a person, or something else. So how does this relate spiritually? If we go blindly through our spiritual walk, we're going to slam faith against, you know, faith against the wall against opposition. Yeah. But how do we avoid that? Well, our weapons of our warfare, just like you said, are not carnal. Carnal meaning fleshly, not natural. So when you're going to see things that are not natural, you need something that's supernatural to see that supernatural thing, right? Absolutely. So what's a good example of that? I think one of the great examples would be night vision gear. If you think about it, when our troops go out into battle at night, they can't see anything. But then they put on these night gear, you know, the night scopes over their eyes. Well, these, so they're basically just night vision gear. Yep. Once they put those on, they can see at night almost just like it was daylight. It's like God takes his spiritual gear and puts it over our eyes as we push into his presence so that we yep. can see the onslaught of the enemy and the fact that there's not just one little thing. There's an army there that's trying to come against us. Or that it's just one little thing trying to trip us up. Or that it's one little lie that our co-worker is telling against us. You know, I mean, it can cover so many things. He could even reveal something that's happening in your workplace that's coming against you. And you could have, like, the inside scoop spiritually. Yep. Good discernment is what you're saying. Exactly. I want to add something here. There's a saying that we have. You probably heard in the movies. And what we would say in our modern vernacular is, you don't you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. That's right. In other words, there's certain there's certain weaponry that's appropriate for certain types of battle, and there's certain weaponry that's not appropriate for other types of battle. And to fight something that has a supernatural or or, or a spiritual root in the natural is futile. Not only that, but it could be dangerous. We have to attack it. We have to attack it as such. We have to uh, face it and attack it as such. And I love the weapons that we have. If we want to think in a practical sense, what, what do they look like? What type of weapons has God given us? He says, number one, we have the sword of the spirit, which is the <laughs> word of God. It's not a physical sword. It's not. This is not a sword that was hewn from from rock. No, this is a, this is the word of God Himself. And when that word is spoken, you better believe that it, it resonates in the spiritual realm. Now, Jesus, when he faced uh, Satan in the wilderness after 40 days of fasting, 
the only way he came back at him was using the word. He used that sword. It's an offensive weapon. And it, it, it's very effective against the enemy because it's true. Another thing that we, we see throughout, throughout the word, you know, even in the book of Joshua, uh, I was reading here recently, <coughs> excuse me, Joshua 6, with the walls of Jericho. The people who they were coming against, and a lot of these things that happened in the Old Testament were, were types and shadows of what we go through in the spirit. But we would see it manifested in a natural type setting in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, you had this, this city, Jericho, with these impenetrable, this impenetrable wall that went around the city. And so any good military commander would, you know, think of a strategy and find out a way to get, get by this wall. So that obviously you have to deal with the wall before you can go in there and, and attack. And, but God's, God's stance and, and his plan for them was totally different. They were to walk around the wall six times a day for six days and not say a word. It was, it was key that they wouldn't even say a word. And on that last day, they'd walk around one time, and they would shout. And at that shout, the walls would fall down. And so you see, we have even a weapon of praise. Praise is a weapon. It's a weapon against the enemy. The Bible says that praise fills the avenger. In other words, it stops him in his tracks. And so a lot of times when we're going through a situation in our lives, we're going through something that, is, is difficult. It, it could be a temptation, a reoccurring temptation. It could be something that's debilitating like anxiety or depression. It could be a sickness. But a lot of times when we have these voices, and a lot of times it's a voice that we hear, you're either not good enough, you're not going to make it. Can God really do this? Did God really say? Sometimes it's good just to take a praise break and just say, you know what, Father, I'm going to praise you regardless of what I'm going through. As a matter of fact, I'm going to praise you in faith, in the face of what I'm going through. The enemy doesn't know what to do with that. He doesn't know. And at that point, it's... Let me interject something real quick. I don't, I don't want you to lose track. Keep track of what you're saying. Um, but there's something. I'm going to say a dirty word here. And I'm going to say a dirty word. It's called perseverance. Hmm. What, I mean, nobody likes to persevere, but what you're saying is that we've got to persevere. When it's go, things get tough, we've got to persevere through it. And that's what the Word says. When the answer doesn't come quickly, we just get back to it and keep praying some more. We persevere. Yeah. So go on and finish your thought. Man, when you said that, there's something that has exploded in me. There, there are different times throughout the New Testament that you see the Christian walk is compared to different things. And you see that we're told sometimes that we're going to run this race. There's other times where we walk by faith. But there's other times where we're told to stand. So you have the running, you have the walking, but there's a certain time where when you're going through something a lot of times, you just stand. And the Bible says when you've done everything to stand, stand. And right. it's an active position. It, it may seem like you're not doing anything, but it's a posture. And sometimes I believe standing is praising in the midst of the battle, raising your hands, opening your mouth, and declaring that God is good in spite of what you're going through. That's it. We've got to do that. We we have to praise 
through the situation. If we talked on this last podcast just a little bit about how Bill Johnson talks about that only on this earth can we give praise in the middle of pain, suffering, and heartache. Because when we get to heaven, there's going to be no more heartache, no more tears, no more suffering. And so only in this atmosphere can we make that kind of sacrifice. So it's no wonder it's so valuable to him. Yeah. It's literally no wonder that it is so valuable to God that we praise him through our circumstances here on this earth because only on earth will we be able to praise his name and give him glory in the middle of pain, heartache, suffering, and tears. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what else is really important is the reason why we're, we're bringing this up too with praise is because it relates to spiritual warfare. There's a certain time to where praise is an effective weapon against the enemy. What are the other weapons that we're looking at? And the Bible oh, you says that the weapons shield of faith. Shield of faith. And that's and really when you when you're praising in the midst, it's really an exercise of your faith. It's a it's a declaration. Yep. Yep. And it says that the shield of faith quenches every fiery dart. So how is it going to quench it? It's got to be soaked in the water, right? The water represents the word. I mean, the sword is also the word of God, right? But at the same time, if the shield quenches, that means it's covered in the word, which is the water. So it is capable itself of answering that word that was spoken against you. But why? Because it's covered in the word. So it's no wonder that the word of God tells us that we are to wash ourselves with the water of the word to renew our mind. That's Kirk Moose's paraphrase. I think I reversed the order there. It's good stuff, man. Good stuff. But we've got to wash ourselves in the word so that we have a renewed mind, that our mindset will no longer be that of a carnal mind, but that of the spiritual mind, so that we're taking off our physical eyes and putting on the spiritual eyes, so that we cannot see just the shadows in front of us, but instead it illuminates our path like that night vision gear does the soldier. Yeah. Hey, we've got to move beyond you? this. Go ahead. Go, go for it. We need to move beyond. Finish that thought, brother. I was just going to say, we, we've got to move beyond this attitude and this state of mind where we only see things from a single perspective. It's kind of like, oh, my car broke down, the devil did it. Well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Don't always need to blame it on him. Instead, praise him through it. Don't let what happens steal your joy. And don't get caught up in the semantics of how did it happen. Sometimes we get so devil-focused that we lose focus of the Creator. Think about it. When a bank goes to recognize a currency bill, a dollar bill, a peso, whatever, whatever nation, doesn't matter. When they go to look at that currency, do they study the false document to know what the true document is? No, no, they, they, they study the real thing. 
over and over and over, and they study the real thing so much that the moment they see, smell, or touch the, the fake, that they know it's not authentic. That's good stuff. So in the same way, if we stay in the presence of God, we stay in prayer and supplication, like Paul tells us, that we are supposed to keep ourselves in continuous prayer. Because he says, pray daily, pray continuously, pray nonstop. If we actually do that, put it to practice, we will be so familiar with God and his presence that when he speaks, there'll be no question as to who's speaking to us. That's why the word says that my sheep know my voice and they don't listen to another. Why? Because they engage in the weapons of the warfare of the creator because of the proximity that they have with him. That's good, man. That's good. I'll tell you what. Because of the time that you spent with your wife, right? You spent with your wife, I spent with my wife. There could be a room full of 80 people. And there's a sea of voices. But I bet you I can pick out her voice in the midst of that sea of voices because of the time that we spent together, because of the relationship that we have. You're able to pick out that voice. And it's beautiful what you said about a counterfeit. You don't study counterfeits. Because counterfeits are going to vary. Right. They're all going to be different. But the true, the real, you study that. And we need to be in the Word of God. And a lot of the church, unfortunately, and we're guilty of it in our own lives at, at times, but we're, we're so caught up in the voices that are outside of what the Word says that we're not actually in the Word and finding out for ourselves what it says. And when, when if you notice, when Jesus was in that wilderness with the enemy, the enemy started to quote scripture to him. Now, now mind you, he's quoted it a lot of times a little skewed. But Jesus was able to come back with truth that was not skewed and come back at him and, and smack him in the face with it, so to speak. So we, we need to... Yeah, when you say skewed, when you say skewed, clarify that just a little bit. Well, what he did was, is that he, he partially quoted a scripture. He didn't fully quote there the you scripture. Go. So it's not that he twisted the words and actually changed it. He just didn't. He, out of convenience, he only took enough to make it fit his mold, not the true meaning of its context. Woo! That's a mouthful. So what he did is he threw up a smoke screen and said, let's see if he falls for it. Yeah. He put up some mirrors to make this look like something that it was never created to be. Yeah. But we use just enough of the truth to where it looks authentic, that it looks legit. Mm. Mm. But if we get caught up in that, we don't put on the full armor of God as that talks about in the last chapter of Ephesians. And we don't prepare in the weapons of our warfare, which are mighty, pulling down the strongholds and doing battle in the spirit, that's prepared by our Father then we are so easily misled and misdirected because we are not prepared. Man, that reminds me of going to grade school, man. What was the thing they told us in high school? Don't be NP, not prepared. You're not prepared, I'm going to mark it off your grade. Make sure you've got your pencil and your pen. Make sure you got your paper. Make sure you have your textbook. Otherwise, you're NP, not prepared. 
So we need to make sure that we're not not prepared, we're not in peace before our Creator. Because when things come out, if we're not prepared, is it on God or is it on us? Good. Wow. God's already provided all that we need according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He's provided us the armor. He's provided us the sword. He's provided us the shield. Yeah. The helmet, the shoes. I mean, come on. Even the belt to keep the stuff from falling out. Yeah. I mean, he, he's got us covered. And not only that, Amen. but he's given us the word of God, which is like Amen. water, that just feeds our soul. Absolutely, man. So if we just begin to yield to him and allow him to empower us and interject him into the situation instead of our own needs, our own desires, our own thoughts and wants, what could happen? Instead of it being a Kurt thing or an Andre thing or a whomsoever thing, it would be a God thing. Yeah. That situation that looks like it's going to turn out bad suddenly will go from a all-out war or a divorce to a restoration Amen. or a calming of the water. You know, it Amen. talked about in Psalms about how a Word spoken softly or gentle word, it turns away wrath. Yeah, in the book of Proverbs, absolutely. You know, exactly, Proverbs. So if we allow ourselves to flow in the Spirit, instead of allowing ourselves to flow in our own way that we think is right, then we allow ourselves or we have given permission for the Holy Spirit to flow through us. Yeah. So we allow ourselves to line up with him and his word. Yeah. And one of the things that's really important in what you're saying right there, I think it's, it's important for us, is that we're not, to, we're not to fight the enemy on his turf. Like, in other words, he wants to bring us down to his level, whereas we have to recognize from where we're fighting the Bible says that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he, he's seated in a place far above all principalities and powers, he's seated us right there in heavenly places in Christ. And so it, it's important that we don't, we don't think that at the end of the day, this battle isn't a battle between God and the devil in the sense that it's a competition. We've already won because we're in him. And we have to remember that the enemy, Satan, is a created being, and that God allows him to do so much because it, it, it's his purpose and his plan. He's, he's accomplishing his plan and his purpose. So the, the enemy really is, uh, is like a dog on a leash. And we have to remember oh, yeah. that our God is totally in control. We, we know his end. And the reason why he's attacking us as believers and he's attacking the way he's attacking is because he knows his time is short. His time is short. Our victory is quickly approaching for every day. You know, Paul, he, he recognized that he was, he was, he said, you know, I long, I long to be with you guys, but I also long to be over there. You know, and I understand to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. And these, these, these weapons that we have here are for the here and now. It's for this temporal world that we live in, that we fight these spiritual battles. When we get to heaven, we won't need them. You know, it's like in, in the book of, um, Corinthians, First Corinthians 13, and it says that, you know, prophecy will pass away. 
We're not going to need prophecy when we get to heaven. We're going to have what we what's been prophesied. Yeah. You see, faith. We won't even need faith at that point because we'll we'll see him face to face. Love is the only thing that that will remain. But we need these things right now. These weapons that we have for this battle that we're fighting now. And so I encourage you as believers, the enemy likes to operate off of our ignorance. That's why it's important that we get our minds renewed and we understand who we are in Christ, whose we are, and, and the weapons that he's actually given us. So I think one of the other keys that you're getting to right there is prayer. What I'm hearing is that we have to stay in prayer and supplication before the Lord to make sure that we keep ourselves wound up with him, not allowing ourselves to get so focused on ourselves. Mm. I mean, praise is great, and it is a war, it's a warfare tactic or a weapon of warfare. It's also a praise and a adoration to God that gives him a sweet, sweet aroma or fragrance unto him. But prayer is something that draws us to him. It draws our heart in line with him, especially when we move away from selfish prayers. Mm. If you think about it, what is the worst thing that you can do as a believer? Oh, God, that wretch, cut me off, strike him dead. You may think it, doesn't mean you should pray it. But so many times, we allow ourselves to be so self-centered in prayer that we never reach the point. I mean, I think we talked about it last broadcast, um, about the prayer that Christ crafted for his apostles. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He even starts it out directing everything to heaven, everything to God, asking the steps to be aligned with heaven. So, first of all, he has given us the weapons we need to be protected and empowered to fight the enemy. Secondly, he's given us the word to feed us. And then thirdly, he's given us a prayer that if we allow it to, it will draw us in alignment with heaven so that our weapons don't fall idle at our side, but are empowered with his might. Yeah. I mean, if Jehovah Jireh is our provider. I believe it's Jehovah Nisi yeah. that is our banner, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. the banner is over us, and it is love. Well, yeah. what is the banner used for? It is what's flown over the army, proclaiming who they are before the enemy. So if God is our banner, he is over us, proclaiming who he is before the enemy. He's announcing us, and he's fighting and warring on our behalf. But we have to align ourselves with heaven in prayer, not praying selfishly, but instead, God, let me have your heart in this matter. Help me to move as you would have me to move. God, help me to have the right attitude in this situation. And, hey, I I don't know about you. Maybe you guys don't have this problem. But I know there's been times in relationships. I've had to say, God, in this 
particular relationship. Let me have the right heart. Let me not allow myself to be offended, but instead help me to operate in forgiveness and in restoration. Yes. Because we can allow ourselves to get so twisted up in our thinking to where we don't allow ourselves to have God's thoughts on the matter. So it's like we immediately take off those goggles that give us that special spiritual vision. And it blinds us. Yeah. Because we, we, we can't see properly anymore. But the moment we forgive and we operate in his grace and in restoration and allow love to flow, all of a sudden we can see again. Good. We can hear again. And he empowers and equips us to do the work that we need to do. Wow. Even if it's just going to your spouse or your friend or a co-worker and apologizing. Sometimes those are the hardest ones to apologize to. Somebody you don't know on the street, I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But your wife, you wrong her. Everybody, trying to admit you're wrong to your spouse. You're sure some of you may, maybe with your husband. No, try to admit you're wrong to someone you love. Close friend, relative, parent. It's a whole lot harder because there's a lot of pride that gets involved in Hey, yeah. Besides another attack of the enemy that can cripple us if we're not careful, but if we allow ourselves to study the authentic, to get familiar with the real thing, we'll know that that's not in his character. Christ never displayed pride, but always operated in meekness and humility. Yeah. Which reminds me, and it may seem unrelated, but of Moses. Because we just, I'm just talking about how Jesus operated in meekness and humility. Well, it says that Moses was the meekest of all men at his time. Mm. Well, he gives us a good example of how we can be Christ-like in this way, though. What did Moses do? He spent time face-to-face -face with God in the tent of meeting. And in doing so, he was transformed. Even to the point to where he had to put a veil over his face so that the radiance and the glory of God that rested on him from spending time in the presence of God did not so overpower and overshadow everybody around that it would scare him. The people didn't even want to look upon his face, so he had to put a veil over his face. So he was so transformed by the encounter with God that he had to put a veil. Well, praise God, we don't operate in a season where a veil is required. But that veil has been torn when Christ gave the veil Praise. for us. Praise God. Praise God. So, well, not only have we been given the weapons of our warfare to come against all the principalities and darkness that have tried to overthrow, empower, cripple, or put a smoke, you know, smoke fill down, or a fog down, or a mirage down, to try to confuse you, to dis dismay you. Um, get you off kilter. But not only has he given you the weapons and the equipment that you need to see what's going on, but he's also given you the empowerment to walk in victory. That veil has been removed. We no longer have to operate with a separation between us and God. Wow. <laughs> that is just so powerful. It's so pungent. 
How do you even no. explain the depth of Christ and what he did for us? Impossible. Impossible. And we we have that privilege of approaching him. We have that privilege. One of the things I want to add to what you were saying and and how, how it relates back to spiritual warfare and prayer and what we go through in life is that in First John 4, 4, it says, Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. There you go. We have, hey, brother, you, you know, you've been on a plane. You, you traveled on a plane before, um, probably many times. Uh, I've traveled on a plane. And I think it's, it's so interesting to see while you're sitting on that plane at 30,000 feet in the air, and you know that you're going about between 600, maybe an 800 miles an hour. And the wind has got to be incredible yep. at that speed. It's got to be incredible. Um, there's clouds out there. There's all types of stuff. It's probably pretty noisy if you were to hear what's going on. But inside that cabin, it's pretty nice. It's probably about 75 degrees. Uh, it's not all, if there's no turbulence, it's this really smooth ride. There's people sleeping next to you. And I, I look at that and I say, it's because the pressure on the inside is different than the pressure on the outside. And greater is he that's in us. There you go. Who we have on the inside of us is to give us that, he gives us that peace in the midst of the storm. Another, another picture, I heard my pastor bring this up here recently. Um, but Jesus, you got the disciples going across, they're going across, uh, the other side. That's what Jesus said. They're going to get on the boat. We're going over to the other side of this um, lake, and we're going to minister over there. But in the midst of them going over to the other side, there's a storm that arises. And that storm is a vicious storm. And I, I love the way the brother that was preaching brought it out. He said, you know what? I'm not really worried about this storm until I look at Peter. And when I look at Peter, who's an experienced fisherman, who's been fishing for years, and now he's scared, well, I'm going to be a little bit scared. It's like as if you're on a plane, and you got some turbulence, and you look over at the pilot, and he's, he's relaxing, no problem. But when the pilot looks like he's scared, that's probably room for concern. And so Peter there you go. is scared, and he goes to Jesus, and he shakes him and says, Lord, don't you know we're perishing? Don't you know that we're dying here? Don't you know that my life is falling apart? Don't you know that my kids are going crazy? Don't you know that I'm anxious and I'm depressed? Don't you know? And Jesus steps up and says, peace, be still. And the Bible says that that storm comes, and the, the raging storm and the winds and the waves, they died down. And they, were, they, were, they marveled at the fact that he who was on a boat with them had power that even the waves, and the seeds obeyed him. So, so it is in our life that we have him on board. We have the creator on board at all times. There's a whole new meaning to, uh, like, intel inside. Instead of it being intel inside, it's Jesus inside. Yeah. But if you even said intel inside, it'd be the intel of the Holy Spirit inside of you, giving you the inside scoop. Yeah. If you had the same intel... But that pilot had, or the fisherman had, you'd be on the same plane, or the same playing field, maybe I should say, 
that's where we're actually talking about planes. But if there's not an equalizer to equalize that pressure, it makes it much more difficult to function effectively. Right? Yeah. I mean, think about people that do deep sea diving. They go down thousands of feet, sometimes miles, and if they come up too quickly, it'll actually cause the blood to get air in it and it'll kill them. So they have to come up slowly so that their bodies acclimate again. And sometimes they even have to spend hours or days in a decompression chamber to protect mm -hmm. their body. Yeah. But see, when we use the spiritual weapons of our warfare, and we stay in close proximity, we automatically have a natural pressure equalizer right there with us called the Holy Good. Spirit. Yeah. Because he's our comforter, he's our peace, and he is our helper. So when we have a need and we have something that's overwhelming, he is there to guide us, to protect us, and to comfort us in that in the middle of that storm. Yeah. That comes right back to the veil being torn. Yeah. We no longer are separated from God, but he's right there available to help us. Yeah. In the middle of our time of need. So we have to make sure that we keep ourselves focused on him. Mm. Good. I think this might be a great place to kind of Put a pen in it. And guys, I want to encourage you to take time and get in the secret place with God. Yeah. Get in the Word. Definitely plug into prayer. We talked about last week how we are in the middle of a season of prayer where the Holy Spirit is calling people to prayer. And I feel it even intensified. It starts out as a tug, but there's a point where we have to press ourselves. So I encourage you. Press in, even if it's five yeah. or ten minutes a day, or even if it's five minutes several times a day. Press into the prayer. Press into his presence. Do not give up. Do not yield. Continue to press into him. And if you don't know how to pray, get in the word, look up the Lord's prayer, and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. He will do it. Amen. He is our comforter. He's our friend. He's also our teacher. And if you're not a part of a good Bible teaching church, get not plugged in, but go and get rooted somewhere. That means just because it gets uncomfortable that you don't leave. Now, if Holy Spirit tells you it's time to leave, that's a whole other thing. But just because it gets uncomfortable doesn't mean it's time to leave. Maybe you're supposed to be the proponent that helps bring positive change to the environment you've been assigned to. Good. Now, I encourage you, get rooted into your local body, get more than plugged into prayer and the Word. And friend, if you don't know Jesus, we want to invite you now just to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. And if you would like to receive Him, we're going to say a little prayer so that you can have someone to guide you on that path. Uh, Romans 10, 9 says that all it takes is for you to believe in your heart that he is God and that he was, that he died and was risen from the dead and that he is your Lord and Savior at that point. Uh -huh. So 
right now, pray with me if you would like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, right now, I invite you into my heart. I ask you to save me. Transform my heart, Lord God. Let me not be the same. Help me to be that new creation that you speak about in your word. Holy Spirit, fill me now. Transform me into that new man that you would have me to be, or that new woman that you would have me to be. I ask you to help me to be the person you created me to be and to live empowered in your spirit. In Jesus' name, 